If y'all could help me out tonight and let's pray over this word. How many of you guys love the presence of the Lord? Man, I love God's presence so much. I'm so thankful for his presence among us. But tonight also we're going to be ministering in the, in the word of the Lord. And how many of you guys love the word of the Lord? I know we need his word tonight. So I'm going to ask if you would give me your best ear tonight. And let's pray over this word. If y'all would agree with me, I'd really appreciate it as we pray. So, Father, we come together in agreement and unify over the word of the Lord tonight. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. We love your word. Where would we be today without the word of the Lord to be an anchor, a foundation in our lives? And, Father, we just pray over the word tonight. We ask you, Lord, that the heavens will be really open, your glory here. But I pray that for everyone that's going to be hearing this, it's live, those that are live streaming, or however they're going to be hearing this tonight through recordings, you may be hearing this a year after it's preached but Lord we pray for everybody right now that your precious Holy Spirit to help us all to get captivated to give you our best ear our full attention our focus that the Holy Spirit just just captivate us right now and anoint our minds to be able to understand anoint our hearts touch our hearts to be good soil anoint our eyes and ears have eyes and ears of the Spirit and Lord I ask you to really speak through me the word of the Lord under the anointing tonight and it will go out as living seeds of truth. Jesus gave the parable of the seed and the sower that these living seeds of truth will go out and they will settle into good soil of hearts and minds and lives. And Lord, that your precious spirit would water those seeds and cause them to take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Lord, we ask you that the winds of your spirit are going to carry this everywhere it's supposed to go. How many believe that with me tonight? Lord, let your Holy Spirit get this where it needs to go. And Lord, we pray that this word tonight, there'll be a washing of the water of the word that'll purify your people. Lord, that it will be light shining and dispelling all the darkness, all the lies, all the deception of the enemy and bring truth and revelation even in the darkest places. Lord, that your word would be a hammer that's going to break down strongholds tonight of lies and deceptions of the enemy. A sword that's going to penetrate and get where it needs to go. And Lord, we pray that the parable of seed and the sower, Jesus taught us the birds of the air try to steal the seed, and that's the enemy. So Lord, we take authority over the enemy right now. We agree together that the enemy, anything that would try to hinder this word from being what it's supposed to be, where it's supposed to be, we bind it now in the name of Jesus. You will back off and go right now. And Lord, let, let your Holy Spirit get this out there, and let your mighty angels watch over your word because it's your word. It's not our opinion. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for hearing that in these prayers tonight, meeting every need. In Jesus' name, help us to really get focused and get everything out of this tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as I share this tonight, you may want to jot some things down. Um, this is something that has been in my life for a very, very long time. And I love the picture that's on there. And it's a, it's a picture of a young lady. It's like a bride and being cleansed in the river of God. And... As I go through this, I think it'll paint a picture of some things that maybe you haven't thought about before. Uh, but if you'll really give me your best ear and really listen to me tonight, I believe that you'll really learn something from this. It'll be a tremendous blessing, okay? All right, so as I open this up, I just want to say a couple things that maybe you haven't thought about. But the vast part of the body of Christ, by and large, still have their, their root system that goes back to Catholicism. Now, I know this is a little deep, but I'm, I'm only going to dwell on it for a few moments. But 
until 1517 when Martin Luther split off the Catholic Church um, Roman Catholicism kind of ruled supreme and when a, a German monk by the name of Martin Luther broke off from that he had a lot of problems the main problem was that, that there was not a, a belief in the true gospel now he knows that's a big problem and so he split off the Protestant Reformation but even the leaders of the Protestant Reformation down to today there's still a lot of traditions of men there's still a lot of things that go back to that root system but God is wanting us to have our roots in the biblical Hebrew roots system Christianity came out of the Hebrew roots so the first 300 years until Constantine the early church would have been had a very Hebrew flavor to it if I could put it that way there was an honoring of the feasts there was just a lot of things that were Hebraic um, but when Roman Catholicism ro rose to power it was very anti-semitic and did everything it could to cut away those roots now why is that very why is that important especially in regards to this sermon I think that you'll see as we go that it is very important very important and I'll give you one one example to show you what I'm talking about if somebody was going to become something like Roman Catholic or any other religion what do they do a lot of times they will go through some kind of a prescribed ritual to join that group and unfortunately in a lot of places you'll still hear that to come into a group of believers here's what you do you say this little prayer you do this and you don't do that you see what I'm saying it's almost like a ritual but how many knows that Christianity is a new birth it's not a ritual it's not a say this little prayer after me thing even though that may be used of God to get somebody born again but it is a new birth and it is a relationship with the Lord not a religion and a lot of people don't understand that it's literally like trying to to plow through mud to get this revelation to a lot of the people because there's such an entrenching of that religious spirit Christianity is not just about like a bunch of do's and don'ts there is a place for that there's things we don't do and there's things that we do but it is birthed out of a relationship with a living God and so that's just one area that's very important and also Roman Catholicism had began in 300 under Constantine and on to put such an emphasis on the coming to a building and it being about the clergy doing everything but God is wanting us to have his presence in our home God is wanting you to have a personal living relationship with him for yourself he wants you to know the Bible for yourself he wants to speak to you and it's not it's important that we have a place like this to come and it's a corporate thing the Bible says don't forsake assembling yourselves together we need it but nonetheless there can be a very unhealthy thing when people want it's almost like they want the pastor to live their Christian life for them they just want to sit there and just you know that's not how this works it's all of us have a relationship with him we know him we're born again we're in a blood covenant with him we know his word for ourselves we have fellowship with his spirit individually and corporately so see this this is breaking away what I'm sharing with you is is breaking away from a religious system an institutionalized church 
into the Hebrew roots of having an actual new birth in a relationship with the living God. I hope that makes sense tonight. All right. So, with that in mind, I'm going to read to you Hebrews 10, starting with verse 19. And that's probably not in your notes, at least not at the beginning. But just write this down. I want you to listen to me. If you want to follow along in the Word, I always encourage people to do that. But please hear this tonight, because you need this. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the Holy of Holies. Did you know that when Jesus died, the veil was ripped and that we can come into the presence of the Lord? But did you also know that the vast, overwhelming majority of Christians have never really experienced the presence of God, the manifest presence of the Lord? But it's available. We have confidence to be able to enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. It's not by works. It's not by how high you jump or how loud you scream. It's certainly not a religious ritual. It is through the blood we can come into the Holy of Holies. You find rest in the blood of the Lamb. Verse 20, by a new and living way, because there was a time that only the high priest could go once a year. We know that. But Jesus made a way, a new and living way for me and you to be able to come into the Holy of Holies by his blood, which he inaugurated for us through the veil. Hear this. Through that veil, which is his flesh. Have you ever thought about that? Let me read that again. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, which is his flesh. So let me stop there for a moment because this is just something I felt God lead me to do years ago. To have more of a tabernacle pattern in the way that we have our services. It's the way I felt God directing me. I'm not saying everybody has to do this, but I do believe it's biblical and I do believe it is a real pattern. And what we do is we kind of clear out, deal with the announcements at the beginning, but the very first thing we do is we come together and we take Holy Communion every week. And as we take the Lord's Supper together and we reverence his body, we reverence his blood, and we, we make sure that we examine ourselves that we need to forgive anybody, if we need to confess any sin, corporately and collectively, we do this together. Now, tonight, I'm waiting till the end of service, but it's very rare that we do that. I feel to do it at the beginning. Why? Because of this scripture is number one. It says we have a confidence in the Holy of Holies by the blood. So what we're doing is we're corporately coming under the blood and getting washed in the blood and reverencing the blood, and it is the blood that's going to bring us into the glory. And then the Bible says, through the veil, which is his flesh, when you have that matzah in your hand you have that unleavened bread and you're praying and you're you're reverencing the body of jesus this represents his body as you partake of this you have to understand there's something supernatural that i believe is happening as we come through the precious body and blood of jesus there is a veil you don't see it with your eyes but there's some kind of a veil that is being cleared away and you're able to come into that deep place of his glory And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
Let me read that last part again because tonight we're dealing with a deep consecration unto God. I believe when Jesus ripped the veil at the cross that it, it made a way. But all of us, when we come together, we have to get past our personal veil. I believe that's our own flesh. You hear what I'm saying? It's almost like there's something unseen there that as we partake of communion, there's something that begins to happen right there that our own personal veils begin to be removed out of the way. But it says this, let us draw near with a sincere heart full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. What is sprinkled on our hearts? The blood of Jesus. And our bodies washed with pure water. And that's what we're going to do tonight at the end of the service for those that want to participate. We're going to have a time of consecrating our lives unto God. Now follow along in your notes and those that are with us tonight. We're talking about being deeply consecrated. In 2 Timothy 2.20, it says this, Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood, of earthenware, and some of honor and some of dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. And so you see here that Paul is speaking to Timothy about Christians. That there are some that are vessels of like wood and earthenware. What does that speak of? They're still carnal. They're still worldly. They're still kind of defiled in their life. But there's others, he says, that are like gold and silver. In the same house, there's vessels of dishonor and vessels of honor. But he says, if you and I will consecrate ourselves, we will get cleansed, then we can become vessels of honor that are sanctified unto God and useful to the master. So I want you to see here that not everybody is sanctified. I don't think that anybody would argue with that, but it's the truth. And there was a time that you and I were not sanctified. But we want to be useful to the Lord and we want to be pure. If we love him, then we want our lives to be pure for him. It's not out of a religious thing where you're in fear and you're beating yourself up. That's just religion. It is because we love him and therefore we want to please him and we want our lives to be purified for him and we know the Lord is coming for a bride without spot or blemish and Matthew 5 6 says blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied or they will be filled how many are hungry for righteousness how many are hungry to be purified in the Lord the first thing is to be really humble as I think everybody here knows this and I'll just say it but in the tabernacle there were three places but see there are different types of Christians there are outer court Christians there are holy place Christians and there are holy of holies Christians the outer court was big the holy place was smaller the holy of Hol holies was tiny it was like a big elevator it wasn't big and so what you're seeing is is you're seeing that there's going to be less people that are holy of holies people see outer court Christians They'll come to church when they feel like it. They're not really givers. They're not really witnesses. Uh, they're kind of a bump on the log. You know, they're just there. And um, they don't really do much for the Lord. They're not hungry. They're not on fire. You know, that it's just the way it is. They're an outer court Christian. They still see things by the natural sunlight, not by revelation. And God's still trying to purify their life. But that's where they dwell. Then you have holy place Christians. These are people that are doing better 
they're usually pretty faithful to God's house. They'll, they might come to some prayer meetings, and they'll, they might be a witness here and there. They're beginning to be used in the gifts some. And they're doing better. I mean, they're, they're usually pretty faithful in, in, in a lot of things. But Holy of Holies people is a remnant. These are people that are completely sold out 100%. They're radical. They want biblical Book of Acts Christianity, and nobody can tell them any different. They don't want man-made religion. They don't want tradition. They want God. They want his presence. They're, they're so faithful to God's house because they're hungry to be here. You know, they're faithful in their giving. They're faithful to be a witness. They're faithful to, to prayer. They're, they're, they're on fire, man. And you know what? Those are the people that are, that are a bride that are being made ready for the coming of the Lord. I'm not saying some of the others won't go, but I believe that the Holy of Holies people are definitely going to be there. They are, they're in front of them as the marriage supper of the Lamb. They're going to be ready when the Lord comes in the rapture. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a Holy of Holies Christian. I want God's presence in my life, and I want Him to purify me. But you have to submit yourself to the work of the Lord to really purify your life. A lot of Christians have experienced something, and that's good, but they really have never gone deep in the Lord. So the Bible's called us to be priests unto the Lord. I don't think in today's American culture we can really truly appreciate this. But you have to understand that Peter who wrote this, that he grew up his whole life with the mindset that, you know, there, there are certain people that were descendants of Aaron and they had the, the blessing that they could be able to minister before the Lord. You know, they could go into the holy place and they could burn the incense unto God. They could partake and eat of the altar. They were able to be at the temple in God's presence. And it was such an honor. And, and people like Peter and others that were not part of the, the priesthood line, the bloodline, they were called the Kohanim, they, they kind of were in awe of that. And, and every so often as they, maybe it was a feast time or maybe they just went to worship God or whatever, but they would bring their offerings unto the temple. And it was these priests that took the offerings and did everything that was prescribed. And, and, and they stood in awe of them because they realized that they got to be there all the time at the temple. They got to be around the presence of God all the time. But people like Peter felt like, well, but that's not really me. So. But now, once Jesus dies on the cross, and now there's a new and living way by his blood, this revelation comes to Peter that you also are living stones. You are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. But whenever Peter said now, he gets the revelation that wait a second, we now are priests unto God? And he gets this revelation, oh, wait a second, the priesthood has changed. Now there's a new and living way that it's not just the descendants of Aaron that can miss. Now we are born again, and now we're part of God's priesthood. We can come into his presence. The veil was ripped. 
we can come into the Holy of Holies. We can offer up spiritual sacrifices unto God. And Peter was in awe of this, I'm sure. But see, I don't think that we can fully appreciate that because we didn't have what they had to look at and then realize, no, wait a second, now all of that is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And we're able to draw near to God in full assurance of faith through the blood of the Lamb. We can come into the Holy of Holies. We can be in God's presence. Now, some of the things that, for example, here at the spring feast and the fall feast, I always have a time where we go through these feast times and learn about them. They're, they're incredible. But I believe that before the spring feast is we have a time as a church to really pray and fast like we did the last couple of weeks. And we're all praying, we're fasting, we're asking God to purge us and to purify our lives. I don't have time to go back through the scriptures because I already preached recently on fasting, but the Bible says, if my people humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Isaiah 58, prayer, fasting, giving, consecrating your life. Joel 1 and 2. There's such powerful promises. And here we are praying, and, and now we're at the end of that, and we're going to have a night where we deeply consecrate our life unto God. I'll tell you what's happening is, is God is purging the heavens more and more and more over river of life. Did you know that the Bible says that there's wickedness in the heavenlies? And that over regions, over territories, there's principalities, there's powers. There's wickedness in the heavenlies that try to brass the heavens over regions because of the sin of that regions, of those regions rather. But did you know as Christians that we can come through the blood of Jesus and we can see the heavens really open over us and over this ministry and things clear out? And I believe these times of prayer and fasting and consecrating our lives and getting serious with God, being real, that God is purging those heavens above us like never before. And listen to what it says about Jesus in John 1.51. Then he added, very, very, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I don't have time. It's a totally different sermon, but under... In the book of Deuteronomy, it talked about how the heavens could be brass. But then it talked about how the heavens can be open. You see Jesus' reference here. He was talking to, um, I believe it was Nathaniel, but he said, you will see the heavens open above me, and you're going to see the ascending and descending on the Son of Man. We can live our lives, and we can have our ministry under an open heaven. And when we have these times of consecrating our lives like we're doing tonight, I believe it is helping to purge those heavens. What used to be heavy, what used to be oppressive, what used to brass things over, you can pierce right through that. And there can be angels ascending and descending and in an open heaven. And those that have been in River of Life very long, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But see, we're going to have to get a little passionate about something. We're going to have to get passionate about the fact that we want biblical Book of Acts Christianity or do you want traditions of men and religion? Biblical book of Acts Christianity is very confrontational. It's very much in your face. It is a pure gospel. It's not a watered down, man-pleasing, so-called gospel that doesn't have the power to save. It is the real gospel. Which is confrontational. You're either going to serve him or you're not. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no middle ground with Jesus. He wants the whole thing or nothing at all. He wants all of you or none of you. 
He doesn't want half of you. God is a jealous God. He's not going to share us with the world. And we're going to have to get passionate about the fact that we're going to believe the whole Bible. So I wonder today, because I know that everybody's hand would shoot up, but I don't know everybody that well, and I don't know people online. But if I was to ask the question, do you really believe the whole Bible? From Genesis to Revelation, you really believe it? Everything in it, 100%. A lot of Christians go, yeah, I do. But then you start preaching on certain things, and they're like, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't like that. Quit, quit talking about that. They don't believe the whole Bible. Does God still heal today? Yes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Does he still deliver people from demonic bondage? Absolutely. I've seen these things many times over. You cannot be ashamed of it. Listen, when Jesus came, he came in power. He didn't preach a wimpy message. He preached the truth, and either you were going to love him or hate him, but he was going to tell it like it was, like it or not. Amen? Would anybody argue with that? And it got him killed. But, of course, that was God's plan, but that's how much people hated the truth. They hated his message. And Jesus, when he came, he came in power. He preached and he laid hands on the sick. He drove out demons. He operated in power. And we have that available to us today, and we cannot be ashamed of it. And I don't believe that we have to feel like that we have to improve upon Jesus' ministry. No, he was perfect. What he did was perfect, and the way he ministered was perfect. We just need to keep doing what Jesus did. We need to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover and drive out the enemy. All right, let me get off that. So under the Old Testament, God had a pattern. He was establishing the priesthood. He was establishing the tabernacle, the, the pieces of furniture that were in the tabernacle. He was setting up the feast and the system, the sacrificial system and all that. All of it was foreshadowing the coming of the Messiah. Jesus, who would fulfill it all, and he would be a great high priest. But this would be the fulfillment. It was a foreshadowing of him. And under the Old Testament, those that were priests had to go through a time of being um, washed, so to speak, being cleansed, rather, by the blood. But it was the blood of animals. We now have the blood of Jesus. They, they were water immersed. There was a cleansing. There was also an anointing with oil. But they were going through something that was setting them apart and consecrating them so that they could be in the presence of the Lord ministering around the presence of God at the tabernacle. And the high priest could even go into the Holy of Holies. But they had to be consecrated to do that. I believe the reason why a lot of Christians have a struggle sometimes in worship and they have a struggle to get deep into the presence of God and they and all of that I believe that if they would um, begin to pursue God really deeply consecrating them cleaning them up getting the pollution and the defilement out of their life and really purifying them I believe that they would find that they had an easier time in worship and an easier time coming into God's presence and receiving how many would say that you have found it over time as God did a work in your life that it seemed like things began to get a lot easier than what it was before? How many would agree with that? It's just simply that we're going from glory to glory and we're being consecrated. God is purifying us. So let me just read this and then we're going to move on. But it says in Leviticus 8 through 10, but also Exodus 29. You may want to write that down. 
But consider, I'm just going to read what I wrote here. Consider how Aaron and his sons were consecrated to serve God as priests in the place where his awesome presence dwelled. They were immersed in water. Their hands and feet were washed. They were arrayed in holy garments. They were anointed with oil. They had blood applied to their lives. Next, they laid their hands on the head of a sin offering and a burnt offering. These animals were applied to the altar. The third animal was killed, the ram of ordination. This blood of the animal was applied to their right ear, their right thumb, and their right big toe, and it was a consecration. See, the blood was applied. The blood of this sacrifice was mixed with oil and sprinkled on their garments. The flesh of the lamb was waved. And the wave offering unto the Lord burned upon the altar. The priest ate the meat of the ram of ordination, the unleavened bread at the altar. And it's a picture and type of what we have today as Holy Communion. And they had to remain in the tabernacle for seven days near the presence of the Lord. What was happening? God was consecrating them. Even though they were circumcised Israelites, they were, they were God's people. But they still had to be consecrated to be able to go closer to the Lord's presence, get deeper into his presence. Is this making sense? It's an Old Testament pattern that has now been fulfilled in Christ. Meaning that now we have not the blood of animals, we have the blood of Jesus. We have waters of immersion, we have anointing with oil, but it's fulfilled. We have the fullness. Now we have a great high priest and we are priest unto the living God. But God wants to purify us so we can go deeper into his presence. How many are hungry to go deeper in God? Without getting too deep into this, but 1 John 5, 7, for these three testify. Now we're moving into the New Testament. And it says, these three testify the spirit, which is the oil. Remember the anointing with oil. The water and the blood. And these three are in agreement. So let's look at these three things just for a moment. I, I can't get real deep into the power of communion. I have a whole series on our website. It's called Communion Hebrew Roots. And we did a whole series on the communion table it's very powerful but one of the most incredible ways that we can apply the blood of Jesus to our lives is through the communion table but the blood is applied by faith everybody say the blood is applied by faith, the blood is applied by faith. but it's going to be what gets us into the holy of holies I read it at the beginning Hebrews 10 it is we come into the holy of holies by the blood of the lamb it is the blood of Jesus that gives us access to the holy of holies so one of the most powerful ways, it's not necessarily the only way, but to apply the blood to our lives powerfully is through the communion table. So here's some things about the communion table. It represents the body and blood of the Lord. Um, there was one lamb per household under Moses at the Passover. Did y'all know that? One lamb for the family. Did you know that God is interested in your family and he's interested in generational blessings and he's interested in your children? He's interested in your grandchildren. And what you do here right now tonight can have an effect on them wherever they are. They could be somewhere else in the world. But as we take communion tonight and we come under the blood of the lamb, you have to understand there's one lamb. Please hear me. There's one lamb per household. So the blood of Jesus by faith as you take communion tonight you need to believe God that you're bringing your household under the blood now they're going to have to find Jesus on their own but you can pray them in because I'm going to tell you something God is very concerned that none perish but all be saved 
And God is very big on generational blessings. He says, I will bless a thousand generations of them that love me. God will cause blessings to form in your life that will go down your bloodline, that will run them down and overtake them where they are, and they will fall in love with Jesus. So one lamp per household. Here's some things about family blessings. I want you to think about this. Noah, it was Noah that God spoke to him to build the ark, but it was not just Noah that was on the boat. His entire family was sealed with him i want you to think about lot the bible called lot a righteous man but lot's wife and kids didn't strike me as being all that righteous when i read the story but nonetheless when lot left his family went with them job chapter 1 verse 9 it was interesting to read that that satan had to appear before god and give an account and Job was a righteous man. It was in the time before Moses, so there was a different type of priesthood we don't know a lot about called in the order of Melchizedek. But Job was the head of his home, and whenever his family, his children would have get-togethers or whatever, he would shed the blood of an animal, and he would bring his family under the blood. He was concerned for his family. And Satan appears to God, and, and God says, Have you considered Job? And, and Satan has to admit about Job he says, you put a hedge of protection around him, his family, and everything he owns, and I can't touch him. But if you'll lift the hedge, and he was trying to accuse Job to God, but nonetheless, Satan admitted there was a hedge. What brought a hedge of protection around Job, his family, and all that he owned? He brought it all under the blood. And if the blood of an animal under that time had that kind of power... How much more today, when we live on the other side of the cross, does the blood of Jesus have power like that? So the blood of Jesus will bring protection on you and your family and all that you own. You can bring your home under the blood. You can bring your finances, your bank account. You can bring your travels, and you can bring your family under the blood. There was a story about a woman that had a son that, that was very rebellious and got estranged from her. He got into the occult. He got into drugs and and they obviously weren't talking and he was far from god and she was really crying out and the lord spoke to her one day and said one lamb per household and she realized that if she needed to take communion and as she did she said lord i don't know where my son is but as i take communion i'm bringing my entire family my bloodline my son under the blood of jesus right now and she took the Lord's Supper. And did you know that something broke? This had been going on for years. You have to understand, this is a real miracle. He was away from God, and they haven't talked in a long time. And all of a sudden, she takes communion. A few days later, he calls her on the phone, and he starts crying. And he, and he was apologizing, wanting to get things right with God and get things right with her. Now tell me the blood of Jesus isn't powerful. She didn't even know where he was, but Jesus did. And his blood broke the power of Satan off that kid's life. Strength for the battle. Um... And David's mighty men, they were, they were weary. And whenever they appeared to the priest at Nob, um, the priest gave them the, the consecrated bread that was out of the holy place. That's all they had. But that bread gave them strength for the battle. You know what? I believe that as we take the Lord's Supper on a regular basis, that it is giving us spiritual strength for the battle. It's like the manna from heaven. There's something about it. And also the Bible talks about in Psalms 23, God gives us a table in the presence of our enemies. You know what? I believe the communion table, that was foreshadowed by David. I believe David was referring to the communion table. Because as we take the Lord's Supper, there may be dark forces all around out there. They can't do a thing about it. 
And when we take the Lord's Supper, what does it say? I will cause your head to be anointed with oil and your cup overflow. There's also a principle of the two becoming one. It's a bit deep, but if you follow my line of thought here, the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians 7, it talks about the, the believing spouse will sanctify the unbelieving spouse and their children. For once they were unclean, but now they're being, some kind of a sanctification is happening to them. Now they're going to have to come to know the Lord on their own and be born again, but it has some kind of an effect, okay? So in the same way, the Bible talks about husband and wife, the two becoming one. And the Bible declares us to be the bride of Christ. There's something about Jesus and his people, his bride, the two being one, so to speak. It's some kind of a union there. I believe when we take the Lord's Supper that what represents Jesus' body and his blood is going into our body and blood and there's something about the two becoming one and there's something about him sanctifying his bride. And I also believe it has to do with entering the Holy of Holies, which I've already talked about. So tonight, we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And faith comes by hearing the word as I'm preaching on this. People's faith is arising. And when we take the Lord's Supper tonight, I believe God's going to do something very deep and very powerful in your life. And we're going to take it in a special way. We're not just going to gulp it down. We're going to take some time, okay? And we're going to really reverence the Lord. And we're going to consecrate our lives and bring our lives and our families under the power of the blood of Jesus. Number two, the anointing with oil. A lot of um, full gospel, spirit-filled people are at least somewhat familiar with the anointing with oil. But we know that anointing with oil is very powerful. In the book of James um, 5, 14 through 16, it says, If there's any sick among you, let them call upon the elders to bring them forward. They'll pray over them. They'll anoint them with oil. And the prayer of faith will bring healing to the sick. And we know that when Jesus sent out people to minister on his behalf, that there were some that they took oil with them and they prayed for the sick. And it says in the Bible that the sick were healed and demons left people when they anointed them with oil. So there is a power in the anointing with oil. It is some kind of a deep priestly consecration. We saw the foreshadowing under the Old Testament, but we have the reality in Christ. We are priests unto God, and God is wanting to consecrate us, and I believe that there's something very powerful whenever my wife and I are here in a little bit, we're going to anoint those that want to be prayed over, we're going to anoint you with oil, and we're going to believe God to consecrate you and empower you. A couple things. In Exodus 40, Moses had to set up the tabernacle, and it, was, it would have been all those years ago on Nisan 1, which just happens to be today. But Moses had to set up the tabernacle, and when he did, he went through and anointed that whole tabernacle. What happened when Moses anointed the tabernacle? The glory of God came and filled that place. It filled that tabernacle, saturated with God's glory. Did you know the Bible says about me and you that we are now the temple or the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit? The temple and tabernacle are this synonymous. We are now living tabernacles of the Spirit of God. We are now living temples of the Holy Spirit, however you want to say it. But I believe just as Moses anointed that tabernacle and the glory saturated that place, as my wife and I anoint you tonight, that you are a living temple of the Spirit of God and God's glory is going to saturate you in an awesome way. And we've seen that many times before. But there's something about the anointing, the Bible says, will break and destroy the yoke of bondage. 
And so as we anoint people, there is an empowerment. There's an anointing that will come into your life, an empowerment to break free from the old and start coming into the new. All right, the number, number three, the third thing I want to cover is the power of water immersion. Now in the Bible, baptism, baptismo, immersion, it means fully immersed. It's not a sprinkling. It is an immersion. That's what it means. There's something about water immersion that's awesome, powerful. But see, the concept about these Hebrew roots versus um, Roman Catholicism is very important that you understand because the mindset was that the clergy have to do this. And it has to be done at church, and it's this religious thing. But there's nothing about that is biblical. We are priests unto God. You can take Holy Communion at home on your own. That's just a fact. But see, people have got in their minds, and it goes back to Catholicism, that they have to do it at church and it has to be administered by a, pre a preacher. Show me that in the Bible. It's wrong. Let's go ahead and just break down this religious garbage right now. The second thing is they think, well, you know, to be anointed with oil, you have to be at church and all this. No, we're priests unto God. You can anoint yourself. You can anoint your family. You can anoint your home. You hear what I'm saying? All right. The water immersion also is very powerful. And I remember reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now I love this scripture concerning baptism. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. That the children of Israel were baptized into Moses through the Red Sea. So when God brought them through the Red Sea. You have to understand what was going on. They had Passover. So there was a blood of the lamb. Then they went through the Red Sea, which was a water baptism. They also passed through the cloud, which was a picture and type of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And then they ended up at Sinai, where they had an encounter with God. Did y'all just hear what I said? God was consecrating them so that they could have an encounter with the living God. But the power of immersion, that same water of the Red Sea that baptized a nation, that same water of immersion closed behind them and separated them from Egypt. That same water closed behind them and what? Destroyed their pursuing enemies. There was a military force that was coming after them that that water destroyed that and then separated them. I believe when there's water immersion... That God is using that to cleanse people, to separate them from their sinful past, and to destroy the enemies that are trying to pursue them. And I believe, spiritually speaking, the power of water immersion does something to seal people off from the enemy. And I remember hearing uh, John Kilpatrick talk about it in the Brownsville Revival. I saw all these people get saved. And he said there was a noticeable difference, though, in those that got water baptized and those that didn't. He said there was something about those that got water baptized that they were more stable spiritually. And the ones that didn't struggled. We know water immersion has to do with the death of the old and a resurrection into the new. We know that. But water baptism is an awesome, powerful thing. And it's a shame because... because and it's because of the, the Catholic root system that people think that it just has to do with some kind of a conversion 
and it has to do maybe with joining a church and it's a once in a lifetime thing and they think that's all it is but none of what I just said is biblical there is a lot more to it than that it has it's not just about being saved it's about having a life consecrated unto God and man this is like I'm just telling you a lot of things I'm sharing is like plowing ground but when the Lord comes the Bible says heaven must receive Jesus until the restoration of all things and regardless of whether people understand all of it or not God's still going to restore everything back to the church he's still going to restore back the Hebrew roots and he's still going to restore these things I'm preaching back and there some people may understand some people may not that's just the way it is but God is wanting a bride to be ready for the coming of the Lord and one of the ways God is going to do this is by calling us back to the communion table. I believe the anointing with oil. I believe waters of immersion. God is using these things to really consecrate a people and get us ready for his coming. But I'll tell you something else about the power of water immersion. We read in the Bible multiple times that people were healed through water immersion. Think about Naaman the leper. Elisha told him to go immerse in the Jordan seven times. He was healed from leprosy. In the, in the Bible, I believe it was Bethesda or Bethsaida, but there was a pool there that the angel would stir the waters. What happened? Somebody would go in and immerse, and they were healed. Jesus even told one guy, he put mud on his eyes and said, go wash your eyes. He was healed. So there's something about the waters of immersion. Let me give you two quick stories. So there was somebody that um, I knew that was telling me that they were in this church service where they were going to be water immersing people and there was a man there that was so sick his heart was sick and he um he had such a congestive heart failure and such heart problems that his legs were actually turning black because he couldn't get any blood flow i mean he was on the point of death and he had come there and they were water baptizing people and he wanted to just be immersed and so he goes up there i mean he'd already been saved and he had been baptized before and all that he just wanted to consecrate his life he goes up there and they pray for him and they immerse him he goes back and sits down and starts realizing he's starting to feel better. Pretty soon before the service was over, his legs were a normal color and God healed that man's heart. But it happened in the pools of uh, the waters of immersion. There's been multiple times that I've seen not only, my wife and I have seen people not only physically healed, but we've seen people delivered from demonic bondage through the power of water immersion. And it's just a powerful thing. So you have these three testify. It's the, the spirit, the, you know, the oil, the water the blood and they're in agreement and God is using these to purify us and let me say this too there's a sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit how many guys love and appreciate the Holy Spirit where would we be today without the precious Holy Spirit in our lives well let me read this about the Holy Spirit in first Peter 1 2 who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ sprinkled with his blood grace and peace be yours in abundance but the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit will come in to our lives and into a church and when the Holy Spirit really begins to move I'll tell you what the Holy Spirit will do he'll start convicting people of sin and he'll start cleaning house and people that don't want to repent they don't want to change a lot of times the Holy Spirit will just move them out and bring people in that do want to repent and change but he will purify a church and he'll purify me and you He'll begin to deal with stuff. He'll show us things and he'll cleanse us. And God also uses his holy angels to help minister to God's people. 
The Bible says that the angels of the Lord are ministering spirits sent to minister unto us as heirs of salvation. And so let me read you this story out of the Bible in Zechariah 3, 1. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest. This was not Joshua under Moses. This was many years later, a different man by the name of Joshua, who was the high priest. This was the second temple period. But he was standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan was standing at his right hand to accuse him. And then the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed. Now he was a priest. But his priestly garments were polluted and dirty and nasty. And he was standing there in verse 4. He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, Remove the old filthy garments from him. Again he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away, and you will be clothed with festive robes, holy priestly garments. Then I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with his garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by, and the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways and will perform my service and will govern my house and will be in charge of my courts, I will grant you free access among these who are standing here into my presence. So God used angels to help clear away the pollution out of Joshua's life. He was the priest. He got consecrated unto God. Why? So that you could come into God's presence. Is everybody seeing the pattern here? We're looking at from Genesis to Revelation. There's a pattern of the blood. And there's a pattern here of God purifying a people that can go deeper. But I'll tell you something, there's always people who will be more hungry than others. There's always people that are going to press in just a little bit more than everybody else. There's always those that are hungry and desperate to get into God's presence and know Him in a way that others just aren't that hungry. And I believe there's a great preparation of the bride of Christ in the days that we're living. Hebrews 10, 22, Let us draw near with a sincere heart full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water God is purifying us by the sprinkling of the blood and by the washing of the water and let me say this as I begin to close here the Lord is coming as I've mentioned many times already tonight the Lord is coming for a bride without spot or blemish think about in the days of Esther Hadassah here she was she was part of that harem and God was going to use her but she had to submit herself to being washed in water and they they kept anointing her with oil do you remember reading this you know we read this every poem which was recently but there was a washing of water and she was being saturated with oil and then that was a preparation for her to be able to be before the king in the same way the lord is going to be cleansing us and anointing us and getting us ready see the lord's going to come like a thief in the night and he's going to catch away a remnant bride and the scary thing about that to me is Matthew 25. All 10 were virgins, but five were wise, five were foolish. And it makes you wonder, Jesus kept saying that there'll be two in a field, one taken, another left. It makes you wonder and realize that maybe not everybody's going to be ready, and I don't think they will be. I look at the greater body of Christ, and I see a lot of garbage. But yet there's a remnant that are hungry. There's a remnant that are willing to purify their life. Those are going to be the ones that are going to be ready when he comes like a thief in the night. I'm going to be ready. Also, the story of Ruth. And you remember the story of Mary versus Martha. 
Mary and Martha were sitting at the feet of Jesus, but Martha got up and was busy with all these other things. And she got upset because Mary wouldn't help her. And, and she was asking Jesus, would you please rebuke my sister and tell her to get up and help me clean house? And Jesus said, Martha, you know, she's chosen the more important thing right now. I'm here and she's wanting to spend time with me. That's more important than all the dishes being cleaned right now. See, the Lord is going to call a people unto him. And in that place, there's going to be a cleansing that he's doing. There's a cleansing of the blood. There's a cleansing, a sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. And God's going to begin to deeply consecrate a bride. And I'm just telling you biblically that um, we now have access as priest unto God into the Holy of Holies by the blood. We've established that. But being priest unto God means that we can take communion at home on our own. It means that you can anoint yourself, you can anoint your home. There can be an anointing. This is important because you're breaking through people's mindsets that think this can only happen at church by a preacher. That's wrong. It's unbiblical. I can prove it. And they think the same thing with water immersion. You can have immersion at home. You know how many times I've immersed people at home <laughs> in, in different places? How many times I've had to anoint people outside of church in different situations? But we're priests unto God. And my point is, is that you on your own can have a pursuit yourself of daily coming under the blood. If you want to take the Lord's Supper every day, did you know that Smith Wigglesworth, how many ever heard of that guy? Did you know that Smith Wigglesworth took communion every day? And he talked openly about it. You can take the Lord's Supper at home every day. You can anoint yourself. You can anoint your home. You can have immersion at home. As the Lord leads you because you're a priest unto God and your family. You know, at home, another thing about the Hebrew roots that I love compared to the Catholic root system. See, the Catholicism makes it about the building. People think that you have to come to this a big fancy building. Well, you have to come to a building and you have to have the clergy. See, in Roman Catholicism, the average person was forbidden to read the Bible on their own. There had to be a priest do it. See, that's control. And let me say something too. The, Jesus said in Revelation, he said, I hate the practices and the doctrines and stuff of the Nicolaitans, which there's more than one revelation about the Nicolaitans. There's more than one, but one revelation is this. The Nico means to rule over, and the Latians is the laity. And... See, when Roman Catholicism came to power like that, that's exactly what was happening. You can't read the Bible for yourself. We have to do it for you. You cannot have communion in your home. You have to come here. We do it. And it got to the point of you have to come through us to be saved. Confess your sins to a priest. You see what I'm saying? I'm just making a point. But see, in the Hebrew root system, the mentality is the exact opposite. The mentality is, is that your home is supposed to be what's called a mikdash mayat, a little sanctuary under God. It's a place where you worship and you pray. It's a place where God's presence is and that we collectively are a priesthood. Total opposite. And I'm very big on, you'll, you guys have been with me, you know I say this all the time, but you need to know the Bible for yourself. Do not just come here and let me read it all the time. Read it at home. Study it. Know it. You're going to have to know it for yourself. Because there's a lot of deception out there. And it's near all of us.
You've got to know the word for yourself, and you're going to have to know how to pray. You're going to have to know the Holy Spirit, as there's a lot of deceiving, weird spirits out there. You need to have a relationship. Paul said, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I say this humbly, but I say it with full confidence that I'm being 100% truthful. But when I'm alone with the Lord and I'm praying, this, re this relationship is as real to me as you are right now. There's no difference. We have to have that. You have to have that. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And the Bible says that, um, you know, the spiritual man or whatever, to be sons of God, you're led by the Spirit. But see, son implies maturity. It's not talking about a little infant. But when you come in the Hebrew culture, when you came up to bar mitzvah, you became a son. You, there was a maturity. You're now considered a man. Paul's saying that those that become mature have learned to be continually led by the Spirit. We should be walking in the Spirit. And I'm going to give you, as I close out, prophetic insight. You guys ever read this? Ezekiel 47. I'm going to read a little bit more than what you have. But this is, listen, this is what God told me for River of Life. So there's a remnant. And my wife and I love and appreciate you guys so much. There's a remnant in River of Life that has been praying. Hear me, you've been praying. You've been fasting. Some of you have been getting on your face before God. And you've been saying, Lord, purify me. Lord, do a work in me. And you've been praying over the sheet that we had. And you've been really going after God. And two weeks back, you got, God really deposited a blessing that was very powerful. Last week, God just cleared some things away. But you've been really going after God, is my point. And the Lord told me that he's about to deepen the river in River of Life. As I say it prophetically, I heard from God. Write it down. It's, it's coming. Ezekiel 47, 1 through 9. Then he brought me back to the door of the house, and behold, water was flowing under the threshold of the house toward the east. This is from the temple. For the house faced east, and the water was flowing down from under and from the right side of the house, from the south of the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me outside to the outer gate by the gate that faces east. So he, now he's getting out further from the temple. Water was trickling down. It was coming. Verse 3. When the man went toward the east with a lion in his hand, a measuring rod, like a big yardstick. How many of you guys have ever seen a yardstick? Kind of like that. He's going to measure the water, okay? And so he goes out there and, and measures out a thousand cubits and he led me and the water was reaching up to my ankles. He measures out again a thousand more and the water is now reaching to my knees. He measured out further and the water was reaching up to my loins, the midsection. He measured out a thousand more and it was a river that I could not ford. If the water had risen enough to swim in a river that could not be forded. He said, Son of man, have you seen this? And he brought me back to the bank of the river. And when I returned, behold, the bank of the river, there was very many trees on the side, one side and the other. And he said, These waters go out toward the eastern region and go down to Arabah. And they go down toward the sea, being made to flow into the sea. And the waters of the sea become fresh. It will come about that every living creature which swarms in every place that this river goes will live 
There'll be many fish for these waters go there and others become fresh so that everything will live wherever the river goes. And the Lord spoke to me that he's deepening the river in a river of life. And it's because people have gotten serious with God. You remember when Benny Baker was here and he told me, and he told all of us, he said that God's going to increase the anointing in this house. And he said that God's serious and it's going to be a serious anointing. And I believe that's exactly what's happening, but it's because people are getting serious with God in prayer and fasting. So I'm just telling you, the Lord spoke to me very clear. He's going to deepen the river. And everywhere his rivers go, life. And that's why I love that picture I put on the top of these notes. That's what God's doing. He's deepening the river. He's purifying a bride. And he's getting us ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me say this too, and, and we're going to pray for people. We're going to take communion. So if you kind of want to just quietly start getting things together, my wife over there. But y'all look this way and please hear what I'm about to say. We're living in the last days. Jesus said, when you see all these things, look up because your redemption draws nigh. Please hear me. We're living in the last days. So the prophecies of the last days are being fulfilled in our time. I mean, everything you could imagine. It's the craziest thing. You read end time prophecy, you, you just watch the news. I mean, I could go, I did a big long series called The Spine of Prophecy, which I don't remember, we teased about it. We all, we all joke because it went on and on. I did probably 30 parts or something. But, but I did an extensive study on the end times, end time prophecy. But look at Israel, look at all that's going on. I say that because I want to share something with you. The Bible talks about the Antichrist and all that, but the end time world system is going to be unified under the Antichrist. But what's it called? Babylon. Babylon comes from the word Babel, which means confusion. How many of you guys would say you see a lot of confusion? I jokingly said a few weeks back or whatever that even now people are confused about gender. When did that become confusing? seriously that's embarrassing but that's that's just the culture we're living in. it's just confusion people are confused they and let me tell you something that's very very concerning to me because i've i've deeply studied end time prophecy for years but the bible says in second thessalonians chapter 2 it says that you better have a love for the truth because it said those that do not love the truth that god would give them over to a strong delusion how many knows if God sends a strong delusion, you're deluded? How many people out there have heard the gospel over and over? How many people out there have heard scriptures over and over? They don't want to hear it. They hate it. They don't have a love for the truth. They don't want to hear it. There can come a point in time where God says, fine. And they're given over to a strong delusion. That's concerning, isn't it? Well, I say that to warn all of you, have a love for the truth. Have a love for the pure gospel. Have a love for the Bible. Have a love for the things of God. Make sure that you know the word and that you hold on to it with everything in you. Even if it costs you your life, because who knows what tomorrow holds. But we have to love the Lord and love the truth with all of our heart and go after him. All right, here's what we're going to do, and those that are still with us live streaming or whatever, we're going to take the Lord's Supper tonight, but we're going to do this a little bit different than maybe what you're used to. My wife's going to give you a little bit bigger piece of bread, 
and give you enough juice that you're going to be able to do this three different times. And so there's going to be a little bit more than usual. She might need some help. But we're going to pass this out. Get a piece of bread that's at least this big, okay? Don't get a little bitty. And, you know, we had, while they're doing this, there's all these different types of communion. But I remember there's this, um, there's this communion that you can get that's portable. You guys seen that? And I, I like it. But what's that styrofoam stuff they put in there? Anybody ever wondered about that? What is that? I'm just asking a question. I want to know what is that. All right. But anyway, this is actual bread. This is matzah bread. Okay. I don't know what that thing is. Which there's nothing wrong with it. I'm sure it'll work. But it's just concerning. And then um, I was just different ways of taking the Lord's Supper, you know, and you, different things that people do. But a lot of churches have this little square that tastes like, I don't know, like mud maybe something <laughs> but this is actually some good matzo bread so it won't be too bad but anyway if you want to join us with communion tonight get you some bread and some fruit of the vine it doesn't have to be grape juice if you don't have that you can just use whatever you need to use tonight <laughs> that's one benefit so Brother Zach was saying that the styrofoam stuff will guarantee to last until Jesus comes. Well, that's true because this won't. This will last for a while. I think that matzo bread actually lasts for like five years or something before it goes bad. You know what's interesting about this while they're passing this out was the matzo speaks of Jesus' body, but when Jesus died on the cross, Jesus had no sin in his body. I mean, he was so pure. And just like this has no leaven in it, this thing will, this piece of bread will last a very long time. And Jesus, when his body was laid in the tomb, he had no sin in him. Did you know that his body did not decay? Did y'all know that? Jesus' body was in there for three days and his body did not decay. And the reason why is because there was no sin in there's no leaven in him. So it's really, really an amazing thing. Um, we're going to take this together. So make sure you get a good sized piece of bread. My wife fixed me up. I always tease my wife because, I, you know, she'll usually get a small piece. And I get a big old chunk like this. And I tell her I'm a little bit more hungry to be holy before the Lord, you know. I'm just messing with her. <laughs> but anyway, as we take the Lord's Supper tonight, I want you to really release your faith with me. And remember this sermon tonight that... Um, you know, as we take this, I know that some people are new. We, we haven't, you haven't taken communion with us. And, and, but we take this very serious. The communion table is extremely powerful, extremely holy. This represents the body and blood of Jesus. And many people have been not only deeply consecrated, but many people have been healed while taking the Lord's Supper. And I would say in River of Life, we take this at the beginning of every service I believe that that, that that communion at the beginning of service is probably one of the most powerful aspects of our service. And it helps to set things in motion for the powerful move of the Holy Spirit. So as we take the Lord's Supper tonight, I want you all to really uh, reverence the body and blood of the Lord and really get focused on Him tonight. But we're going to take this and the communion table comes out of Passover. 
Jesus was having a Passover with his disciples at what's called a Passover Seder, Passover meal. And during the course of that meal, he took the afikoman bread, which we're going to do this in two weeks, so be here and you'll see all this for yourself. But he took bread that was broken and wrapped and hidden away, it was buried and resurrected later. He took that bread and blessed it and that represented um, his body. That was going to be um, symbolically pierced and bruised and, and broken, if you will, even though his bones weren't, but wrapped, buried, and resurrected. And then he took the third cup, the cup of redemption, and um, he blessed that. So it was a very powerful thing. So Lord, as we come together to take communion tonight in a special way, and we're going to do this three times, so you got a little bit extra there. So just make it last three times. You'll see why here in a moment. But Lord, as we come before you and we want to take communion together, we want to reverence the body and the blood of Jesus in this place tonight. We want to bring our lives and our families under the blood. One lamb per household. We want to bring our bodies and our health. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We want to bring our bodies under the blood. We want to bring our soul area, that mind and the emotions and our personality. We want to bring that under the blood. We want to bring our inner spirit man, that part of us that communes with the Spirit of God and, and gets revelation. We want that part of us to be under the blood. And so, Lord, we realize how hallowed this is, and we take a moment here, and we ask as we examine ourselves that you would reveal to us if there's any sin or unforgiveness, that you would bring that to our minds right now. Make sure that you forgive everybody. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. Make sure that you forgive everybody. Choose to forgive. And secondly, if there's any sin that comes to mind, make sure that you confess it. We have a faithful, great high priest that is at the right hand of the Father, ever living to make intercession. And as we humble ourselves and confess our sin before the Lord, the Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So take a moment here to examine yourself. So Lord, we ask you just to reveal to us right now what needs to be revealed as we examine ourselves in Jesus name so go ahead and do that blood brings us into the holy of holies and so lord we thank you tonight jesus as we take communion we thank you lord for the price that you paid at the cross we thank you lord for the awesome power of your body and blood and as we take this tonight father we come before you in jesus name and through his blood and lord jesus we worship you the bible says do this in remembrance of you till you come and Lord, we remember that 2,000 years ago, Jesus, you were at a Passover meal with your disciples. It was on a Tuesday night. And you held up that afikoman bread of the Passover, it's matzah, unleavened bread. This bread is pierced and it's striped, if you have a big enough piece to see it. 
you, you took that bread, a bread that was wrapped and it was buried away and brought back. You held it up and you would have blessed it in Hebrew. It's an ancient Hebrew blessing. I'll say what it means. Baruch Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, just means blessed to you, Lord of God, King of the universe, who gives us the bread from the earth. And we thank you, Jesus, that your body is truly manna from heaven, that you are the bread of life. And we thank you, Jesus, that you were pierced for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquity, and the punishment that brought peace was upon you. And we thank you that by your stripes we're healed. And I'm believing you, Lord, as we partake of this, there's going to be a deep consecration in every life, and there's going to be healing tonight. We speak that sickness and pain and disease to die and leave people in Jesus' name. But, Lord, let there be healing virtue flow, that things that have been damaged will be healed and restored. And we thank you, Jesus, that you held up that third cup, the cup of redemption. It wasn't the first or the second or the fourth. It was the third cup, the cup of redemption. That you were going to redeem a people that you were going to purchase with your blood a people. And you held up that cup and you blessed it in Hebrew as well. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech olam, borei priyagathen. This just means bless you, Lord of God, King Universe, who's the creator of the fruit of the vine. And what does the Bible say? We read it tonight. Lord, you have created a new and living way through your blood. To be able to come into the Holy of Holies. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood. And as we partake of this tonight, we forgive every person that's ever wronged us. We forgive them right now. We ask you to forgive us, Father, if there's been any sin in our lives. If there's been pride. If there's been pride. If there's been rebellion against things that are not you know, authority, rebellion, or whatever, forgive us, or for any pride or rebellion. Forgive us, or with maybe there's been um, ungodly fear and control. People, some people struggle with that, being controlling. Forgive us, or where there's maybe been areas of idols, things in our lives that are not right, things that we've um, gotten too focused on, or maybe uh, were too important to us, things that stole our affections, things that have been distractions in our lives. Lord, you are number one. You need to be everything to us. And Lord, we pray tonight, forgive us for any idols. We ask your forgiveness, Lord, if there's been people that's maybe struggled with lust or sexual sins. This defiles the temple. It's serious that you cleanse and wash your people. Lord, if maybe there's been areas of sins of the mouth, gossip, slander. You know, the Bible talks about these things very exceedingly wicked but also very common among God's people God hates the one that sows discord among the brethren very few things divide like gossip and slander and Lord we ask your forgiveness if there's been any sins of our mouth maybe we've talked about others forgive us Lord and cleanse and wash us also where maybe homes have been out of order husbands aren't leading like they need to wives haven't been submissive in everything as unto the Lord that's rebellion against God Almighty, rebellion against the Word. And we ask your forgiveness tonight, Lord, that our homes will be in proper order before you the way you desire them to be. And even in our lives, Lord, if there's been hatred of the heart, the Bible says the hatred of the heart is murder. Lord, if there's been areas in our hearts that have been impure, that's been bitter, angry, 
forgive us, Lord, and cleanse and wash us tonight in the blood of the Lamb. And if there's been greed or materialism, the love of money, getting too caught up with this world system, too caught up with making money or the things of the world, it's been a major distraction. The Bible says that those type of things will be like weeds that choke out the fruitfulness. But Lord, we want to seek first the kingdom. And those other things will be added. But Lord, that you forgive us for all of our sin, our transgressions, our iniquity. And we also ask forgiveness for the, the sins and the iniquity that's been in our ancestry. Lord, generational curses, generational bondages. Lord, forgive us if there's been things in our lives or in our ancestry where there's been witchcraft, fortune-telling, there's been areas of the occult. I mean, y'all with me on this. There's been sexual immorality. Forgive us over there's been broken vows and covenants. Maybe there's been bloodshed, abortions, murder. Forgive us over for this filth that's been in our ancestry. Maybe there's been substance abuse that you cleanse and wash us, or even from the things that have tried to travel down bloodlines, or that the blood of Jesus washed that tonight. We repent, wash us. And so, Lord, we're going to take three different times, but this first time together, we're going to take a bite of this, and we're going to take a sip of this um, grape juice here. And, Lord, at first, the first time as we take this, we pray about our inner spirit man. Lord, that our inner spirit will be undefiled and pure. This is so important tonight. Let God do a deep work in your life. And Lord, I pray that as we partake of this and bury this down into our inner spirit, man, that our inner spirit will be undefiled and pure in our inner spirit, Lord, right now, that be cleansed from anything unclean, Lord, that there would be no, nothing defiled. The Bible says that we'd be sanctified through and through our spirit, soul, and body, be kept pure and blameless till coming of the Lord. So by faith, one lamp per household, we're bearing this down into our inner, our life spiritually, our prayer life, our time in the Word, us being salt and light. We bury this down into our life spiritually tonight and believe you, Lord, for a deep consecration in Jesus' name. Lord, let there be a deep work. We believe together right now in Jesus' name. So go ahead. Father, we pray into our soul area, the mind. This is a battleground, the mind, the emotions. And Father, we pray into our soul area where our personality is, our dreams, people that's maybe at battles in the night. But Lord, we pray tonight over that soul area. And as we bury this communion into that area, we ask you for a deep consecration, not only in our spirit tonight, but our soul area that our minds, our emotions, our dreams, our thought processes, or that they will be a deep consecration unto God. And they'll be calm, undisturbed hearts and minds, thought processes that are pure, Lord, dreams that are pure, emotions that are calm and undisturbed. And Lord, that these areas will be free. 
Lord, I speak the things that maybe been tormenting people mentally and emotionally be destroyed and go from them in Jesus' name. Right now, we break the power of that in Jesus' name. And Lord, by faith, as we bury this down into our soul area, let there be such a deep consecration and a separation from anything that's not of you right now. I feel like there's some, something there with some people. Father, we break off everything in the soul area that's been tormenting people right now. Receive that. We destroy that off minds, tormenting fearful things. We break it. It will go now in the name of Jesus. Things that have been tormenting people emotionally to go now in the name of Jesus. We break its power. And Lord, we thank you for the awesome power of your body and blood tonight. All right, so Lord, we receive it now, the power of your body and blood into our soul area in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray also physically in our bodies. Lord, we thank you that by your stripes we're healed. And where there's been things that have been tormenting in people's bodies, that's been causing health problems, Father, we speak that that be destroyed and bound and leave their bodies in Jesus' name. Even if there's been tormenting spirits, like infirmity or something or death, we bind it, it will go now. We destroy the enemy's influence out of bodies right now and Lord we ask you by the power of the stripes on Jesus's back Lord that there would be healing virtue in every life and we want our bodies to be undefiled we want this temple of the Holy Spirit to be pleasing to the Lord and so as we bury this into our physical bodies Lord let there be a deep consecration let there be divine health let there be a sexual purity and that our bodies are cleansed and sealed off. Lord, even those that may be involved themselves in the past in, in various forms of sexual activity or maybe the occult or something that they're defiled. Maybe they put illicit drugs into their bodies, things like that. Things that defiled their body. Lord, I'm believing you right now that these bodies will be deeply purified in Jesus' name. And it's by the power of the blood and the power of the body. And Lord, we're also believing you for whole family bloodlines right now in Jesus' name. We believe you, Lord, for healing and a deep work in families. And you just feel the glory of the Lord increasing here tonight. It's because of the blood. But Lord, we thank you. We bring our whole families. How many believe with me? Spouses. We bring children and grandchildren. We bring families. Family bloodlines, we bring them under the blood tonight. And Lord, that generational blessings will run them down and overtake them in Jesus' name. But we thank you, Lord, as we consecrate our bodies and we consecrate our families by faith that you'll do a work. We receive it now in Jesus' name. Just worship the Lord.
And you can feel the presence, the glory of the Lord increasing in this place tonight. I'm going to speak a blessing, and then we're going to pray for people tonight. My wife and I are going to anoint you with oil. But before we do that, Father, we pray over everyone here. And Lord, we apply the blood over them we just did by the communion table. The blood is over our lives, fresh. And Lord, I speak that anything and everything not of your kingdom be destroyed and depart from them. I thank you for the awesome power of your body and your blood. This is so profound, so deep what's going on. The communion table, so awesome. And Lord, I speak a blessing over everyone here. And in your lying and rising, you're going and coming. That the Lord will bless you. I bless you that in every area of your life, the blessings given to Abraham will be at work. Exaltation and promotion. Incredible health. Spirit's own body. Financial prosperity to do well and excel. That you, you can be a blessing to many others. That you'll have a long life on the earth. I bless you that fruitfulness in every area and victory over every enemy. I bless you that you'll not only have perfect health and financial prosperity, but you'll have widespread favor with all people and victory over every single enemy that would try to come against you, and it will flee before you. So in your lion rising, going, coming, the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his countenance upon you. Establish your life in his shalom and manifest presence. I bless you now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we release that blessing out. And we're going to anoint everybody that wants prayer. If you want to stay and get prayer, we're going to anoint everyone. And after that, we're going to have a time of water immersion. It's not physically here. You would have to drive to where we are, but we'd be happy to have you follow us. But we have a place set up. And we're going to believe God just as the communion table tonight, just as we anoint people, that the power of water immersion, God's going to do a deep cleansing in every life. It's so powerful. 